I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is someone who is not a stranger to Delaware State of the Arts, but uh, the Executive Director of the Grand, Mark Fields. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Paul. So glad to have you here today. You know, it, this is an anniversary year for the Delaware Division of the Arts, our 30th anniversary, but the Grand goes back much farther than that. You have a an incredibly illustrious history uh, in Wilmington. Let's let's just talk, uh, just brief, you know, go through the history, and we only have twenty two minutes. So let's <laughs> let's let's just hear a little bit about the, the the origins of the Grand, and and then get to what's been happening in recent years because sure. there's really been some fascinating developments. Of course, um, be happy to. Well, we have an anniversary coming up in 2021, which will be our sesquicentennial, which for the non-Latin speakers is <laughs> our 150th anniversary. The Grand was opened in 1871 in December of that year. It was the first formal performing arts space built in the city of Wilmington. There had been a number of storefront theaters, and there was a lecture hall that was across the street, but this was the first formal theater, and the city fathers worked in partnership with the Masons to build the theater, and their goal was to put Wilmington on the same footing as Philadelphia to the north and Baltimore to the south. It's a beautiful building. It's extraordinary architecture. It was modeled on the Paris Opera House, and you know here it is plunked down in the middle of Market Street, uh, Wilmington, and uh, is still a landmark to these days. In the early years, it, it functioned as what was called an opera house, and the reason it's called an opera house is the configuration of the seats inside. Mm-hmm. It's in a horseshoe shape to bring the audience closer to the stage. But the opera house circuit in the late 1800s was a combination of theater and music and uh, readings and lectures and things like that. And there was a circuit. But keep in mind, this is the late 1800s. So the artists traveled from place to place on trains Mm. because they weren't going to come on a carriage. It took too long and there weren't cars. Right. So uh, frequently uh, in the early days of the opera house, there would be a a train on a siding somewhere with the local company uh, on tour as they were performing at the opera house. And then it went through, the Opera House went through the evolution of most theaters. It, uh, it was on the vaudeville circuit in the 19-teens. It became a movie theater in the late 1920s. But because it wasn't built as a movie theater, it was built as a live performance space, it wasn't one of the premier movie theaters. Right. right. Uh, that was the Aldine right next door, which mm-hmm. is where our Jocko building and our Baby Grand is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a first-run theater for a while, then it became a second-run theater, and by the 1960s, it had fallen into horrible disrepair and was only open for rentals and things like that. Uh, it was really sad to see what had happened. And then in the early 1970s, 1971, the 100th anniversary, they decided to have a gala, and the mayor at the time, Tom Mahoney, and the governor, Russ Peterson, said, we're going to rebuild the opera house. Hmm. It took five years and about $5 million, and in 1976, the modern grand opened, and since that time, we've brought about 2.5 million people to downtown Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Now, is is much of the decor, I mean, if you go into the main performance space, it is absolutely gorgeous. Does that replicate what was there historically? Uh, interestingly not, no, it doesn't. Uh, when they first redid the theater in the 1970s, it did. But the uh, aesthetic in in the late 1800s was much more uh, spare. Mm. It was the Victorian era. Sure, and so it was sure. a simple, 
terracotta colored walls with no decoration whatsoever. And people were kind of disappointed when they came into the mm. theater that mm. all of this restoration work had been done. This beautiful theater was opened again and it looked a little drab. Mm -hmm. And so in the 1990s, it was repainted with something that's a little more, uh, a little less uh, historically accurate, but a little more attractive. And it remains a, a beautiful place to see a show uh, to this day. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you you referenced the baby grand over time, particularly in recent years, in the last 10, 15 years, you've expanded your performance spaces. Could you speak That's to that? That's exactly right. Yeah. In 2000, we built the Jocko building where the Aldine had been. It had The Aldine closed in the 1950s and uh, had had two had fallen into disrepair and the building was torn down and the new modern Jocko building was built and inside it was a 300 seat theater. We have the Grand Opera House and then we have the Baby Grand. And that building also houses our administrative offices. We have several uh, for-profit tenants in the building uh, and uh, First State Ballet operates in the space and they have their offices and, and several dance studios on the top floor. It's interesting because if you look at the two buildings from the outside, the Jocko building is shorter, but because of its design, it actually has more floors and more floor space than the opera house next to it. Oh, interesting. And, and, and for those who are interested in sort of theater structure, the backstage area, it's connected between the two, correct? That's right, yeah. It's a common loading dock between the two spaces. You can move right from one theater space to the other. Uh, but it's, an, it's a sign of how well the original building was designed that when the doors are closed, there's no sound bleed between the two spaces at all. And we often have concerts going on or programs going on in both spaces, and you only know it when you come out into the lobby at intermission. Mm -hmm. And, and how does that impact your, your uh, ability to uh, provide uh, a more diverse programming? Well, it does that in several different ways. The whole reason that the Jocko building and the Baby Grand were built was because there was so much demand to use the Opera House, not just by the Grand itself, but by our resident companies, the Symphony, the Opera, First State Ballet, that it, the building was frequently you know, fully booked. We only had one space at that point. So we built another smaller theater in the same building. It allows us to diversify our programming. It allows us to bring in artists that wouldn't necessarily uh, sell 1,200 tickets in the Opera House. 300 is a, you know, a much smaller number, of course. And it allowed us to continue this relationship with our resident companies. And in fact, last year, we expanded and added two more resident companies to uh, our list. We now have a City Theater Company and the Rock Orchestra are now our fourth and fifth resident companies. And the City Theater Company performs in a, a smaller space, do they not? Yes, they don't perform in the Baby Grand. We mm -hmm. have a studio space on the third floor of the Jocko Building that was built to replicate the size of the Opera House, but never got used that way. Hmm. So they actually, it's, a, it's a, not a black box, it's really a big open dance studio, but mm -hmm. they have been able to use it very effectively, and they can reconfigure it differently each time they use it. Mm -hmm. And in addition to the performance spaces, you have public spaces. You have the lobby of the Baby Grand. You have the Sarah Bernhardt room, I believe. Right. And, yes. so, uh, and, and you use those sometimes for community oh, uh, purposes. Oh, yes. The, 
uh, Fearless Improv, which is one of the companies of City uh, Theater Company. They perform in our Sarah Bernhardt Lounge, which is just off of the uh, the lobby of the of the Opera House itself, which we now call Copeland Hall. And it's a lovely, lovely yeah, space. Very yeah. Victorian-looking mm-hmm. sh- uh, crystal chandeliers. Wood. And, wood yeah. and, yeah. and flocked wallpaper mm-hmm. and a portrait of Sarah Bernhardt. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a very warm and inviting space. And then we have our Ninth Muse Lounge on the second floor for our uh, donors and VIPs pre-show and our, our Arts Academy space, which is uh, for music lessons. It's a very, very busy building, Paul. Mm-hmm. All together, and I guess we haven't even talked about our third venue. I was going to say. We, we <laughs> should talk about that, too, before I give you some numbers here. Uh, in 2015, in January of 2015, we took over operation of what had then been called the DuPont Theater, which is in uh, a, a business, a corporate building two mm-hmm. blocks away, the former headquarters of DuPont and now the headquarters of Comores. Uh, we renamed it the Playhouse on Rodney Square. It, it too, is a historic theater. It was built in 1913 and is the oldest continuously operating Broadway theater in the country. Hmm. Uh, it's not the oldest, but a lot of theaters closed during either the Depression or World War II, and the DuPont Company kept this theater open. So it's the oldest continuously operating Broadway theater. Uh, it seats about 1,250. Uh, it's in the courtyard of, of that quadrangle building. Mm-hmm. We've renamed it. The Playhouse on Rodney Square, which evokes the original name called the Playhouse Theater. Mm-hmm. And so we operate that space as well. And between these three theaters and the support spaces for them, we have about 200,000 square feet of space that we're responsible for on Market Street, Wilmington. And the Playhouse Theater, you, you present, that that's where your Broadway series exactly. is. And we, that theater was designed as a... It was specifically yeah. de- designed for Broadway theater. The DuPont family and the DuPont company wanted to bring Broadway to Wilmington. It couldn't be done at the Opera House at that time because the Opera House doesn't have fly space. Mm-hmm. And so they built a theater specifically with fly space and, and an orchestra pit so that they could do Broadway theater. And we are on the Broadway touring circuit. We do... Uh, four full weeks and two or three split uh, week performances every season. But we also put other programming in there mm-hmm. a, as well uh, if it's the right room for the for the particular artist. So uh, in, in terms of space, the, the Grand and the Playhouse are comparable in space, both audience and stage-wise? Uh, the, uh, the stages are, are not exactly the same, but mm-hmm. close to the same size, and the, the uh, house configuration is very similar, uh, th- uh, 1,200 and 1,250. So that provides flexibility for you as well in terms of scheduling exactly. uh, incoming acts, exactly because and you have two spaces. You can exactly, and yeah. so if something's touring and 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 the Copeland Hall isn't available, chances are the Playhouse are going is going to be available, mm-hmm. and that gives us an opportunity to present an artist who might just have an isolated date available. One of the advantages we have in programming and. One of the reasons we're able to bring the caliber of artists that we bring to Wilmington, even though these are relatively small theaters for national touring, mm-hmm. most are in the mm-hmm. 15, 1700, even over 2000 range, is that we're, we're on the way to a lot of places mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just off of I-95. So we what, what we in the touring business, we route well. Mm-hmm. And so if an artist has an, an open date and they're somewhere in the eastern seaboard in, in the mid-Atlantic, uh, chances are we might have a space that's available and they'd rather 
play and not necessarily get the kind of fee they normally get, then uh, be idle. So we pick up a number of artists uh, because we're convenient, but we also have a lot of artists who come and then they come back because they just love performing in our spaces. They're all acoustically excellent. They're beautiful to look at both in the audience and from the stage. And as somebody who's not a native Delawarean, I can also tell you that audiences here are very appreciative. They're used to being skipped over for other larger cities, and I think when an artist comes here that they respect and enjoy, they make sure that they that they remember their visit to Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, we're halfway through our, our show already, so let me remind our listeners that you're tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Mark Fields, the executive director of The Grand uh, here in Wilmington. Um, Mark, uh, so so much rich history, uh, so much really exciting programming. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, The Grand and your philosophy of being about the community and for the community, because I know there really has been a uh, tremendous effort in 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 community outreach and and being being a facility for all. Yes, well, thank you for bringing that up because it's something I think we're all very proud of. Uh, and it starts from a philosophy from everybody at the Grand, the board, the staff, that this building doesn't belong to us. These buildings, all three of them, they don't belong to us. They belong to the community. They belong to the citizens, and we're just the caretakers of these buildings. You know, people have other jobs to do during the day, and so we take care of them so they, you know, that they know that they're safe and, and being cared for. And so anybody who comes into our buildings, whether it's somebody who's got a ticket for a show or a child who's coming for a school matinee or somebody who just happened to be walking by and see this extraordinary extraordinary building and want to know what was what it was for, those people, we treat them as owners. And we drop what we're doing, we welcome them, we give them the information we want, they want, we answer their questions, we show them around. It doesn't hurt that we're all very proud of these buildings and, and their beauty and their history, so nobody has to be urged very much to, to, to put on a show for the public. But we do treat these a, as if we're taking care of them for the people who own them, and that attitude extends out into the programming that we do, too. Uh, the Grand is not in its modern history. I've been there now for uh, nearly 13 years. In its modern history is a place that we want everybody in the community to feel welcome, to see their art and things that they enjoy represented on stage, to see their community uh, held up and valued. Uh, it's uh, an ongoing process. We're never completely satisfied with uh, with where we are, although I think we've made tremendous progress in that regard. And we want to be a part of the community, and we want the community to feel that the Grand is a part of their life. Could you speak to kind of the range of programming that really addresses that, you know, the types of programming? I mean, I recently uh, attended the Opera Delaware Festival, but that that's just that's one type, one sure. genre. But, I mean, you have a, an incredible range. Right. Well, on stage, we do everything from uh, uh, family programming we have a new series that we've developed uh, for families with children uh, that have cognitive or autism disabilities. We call it our sensory-friendly programming. We have uh, comedy, rock, folk music, American traditional, country. Uh, 
We are very well represented in classical music by our resident companies, the the orchestra and and opera Delaware. So we have classical programming, orchestral and and opera. We have classical dance with First State Ballet. We have contemporary theater with uh, City Theater. We have uh, classic rock and roll with the Rock Orchestra. So it's not just what we do in the building, Mm -hmm. but what the other people do in the building as well. And we also make the building available for rent to the community. So we have all sorts of community programs going on, whether it be meetings or or uh, productions that uh, appeal to a, a, a specific community or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we haven't even gotten to our, our community engagement programs, right. which are not what we do on the stage, mm-hmm. but what we actually do in the community. Mm-hmm. And that includes school matinees. We have a program that we do in cooperation with the city called Summer in the Parks, where we take uh, local artists. We're just the producer, and we put local artists into interactive performance uh, environments in the neighborhood parks. We have our Summer Explorers program, which is an introduction to theater for children in daycares and and summer camps and things like that. We have our Arts Academy, which is music instruction. We're part of the Art Loop and have two gallery spaces in the building. Uh, we do social dances once a month in our Studio One space. So uh, we keep pretty busy. I was going to say, uh, uh, you know, during the school year, how many days a week can you, you know, you know do, you, do you walk up uh, along Market Street and you see the school buses lined up either at the Playhouse or behind sure. the Grand? Yeah, um, we, we bring 25,000 school children a year to see our matinee programs. We reach with all of our programs over 35,000 children and families a year. And then all together, if you add up all the resident companies, our own programming, our community engagement events, the rentals that we do, the partnership projects that we do with with other entities in the community, such as the Art Museum, we've been partnering with them for several years to expand their programming and ours. We do over 300 events in the building a year and uh, bring 200,000 people to downtown Wilmington annually. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of downtown Wilmington, I, I know you are, you are a great spokesperson for this, and that is the sort of the, the renaissance of, of downtown Wilmington. Could you speak to what you have seen happening in downtown Wilmington over the last 12, 13 years and the role that the arts have played in that? It, it, a renaissance is a great word because... Downtown Wilmington has been reborn, and if you haven't been there recently, you have no idea what it's like now. There are people living downtown now. There have been all sorts of new apartment buildings that have been opened. There are uh, lots of new restaurants. Here's a great measure that I use. We have a program called the Stage Door Pass, which is for our subscribers a discount to local restaurants. When we first launched that 11 years ago, we had five participating restaurants. For this current season that we're now wrapping up, we have 19. Wow. And those are restaurants that are are all within walking distance of one of our three theaters. Mm -hmm. And there are restaurants that have opened since we launched the current season, so that number should be even higher Mm -hmm. next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really exciting place. But the arts are a really important part of that. Paul. I mean, that won't be any surprise to you. There isn't a city in the United States that has revitalized in the last half century without having the arts at the core of that. And Wilmington is a is a poster child for that. The, the Grand has been an anchor in all of that programming. But we also have 
you know, we have Christina Cultural Arts in town. We have the Queen down at the riverfront. We have DTC and Delaware Contemporary. And all of those are uh, magnets to bring people into the community. And now when they come, they're not just these kind of pioneers who are venturing into this (laughs) unknown territory of downtown. They see this vibrant life on Mm -hmm. the street. And, you know, downtown Wilmington is such a compact place that when there's something going on at the Playhouse and the Grand and the Queen, it changes the nature Mm -hmm. of downtown. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get a place to eat. It's hard Mm -hmm. to find a place to park. There are people out on the streets enjoying the town. And it's a beautiful downtown. It always has been. Mm -hmm. Such wonderful architecture. Much of it has been preserved. You know, there are lights in the trees, you know, brick uh, streetscaping. It's really a charming, charming downtown. Mm -hmm. And now it's a charming and often vibrant downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got about a minute or so left. Let's uh, talk a little bit just about what what are some of the things you're most proud about or, you know, highlights over your the, the 13, 12, 13 years you've been here. Well, I am proud that the Grand has become a great partner, not just for other arts organizations, but for other entities in the community. Uh, it is a natural anchor on Market Street. It, we're the largest uh, arts organization in the state. So uh, for us to have that role is not insignificant, but I'm really glad that we have so many wonderful partners throughout the state. I'm glad that we're part of a vibrant downtown that continues to grow and continues to change. Uh, I'm glad that we're able to serve an, uh, a, an increasingly uh, diverse um, part of the community and and uh, be uh, the caretakers that, that, that our owners expect. And to learn more about the Grand, I invite our listeners to visit, let me get this right, Mark, thegrandwilmington.org. That's right. Uh, so much to see, so much to do. Mark Fields, Executive Director of the Grand, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you pleasure so much. Pleasure for me too. Thank you, Paul.